Hello, this is David Gedge from The Wedding Present, and you're listening to the Pantheon Podcast Network. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to Season 6, Episode 8 of Music is Not a Genre, MXG. I've learned to do it in front of the microphone now that there's a microphone here, which makes it a lot easier. Uh, First off, disclaimer, I need a haircut. I'm just going to say it, all right? For those of you who are just listening... This time around, you might be lucky. I don't know. If you do want to see what I'm talking about, go to youtube.com slash at music is not a genre, and you can tell me whether or not I need a haircut. But let's get right to the topic. Uh, thank you, as always, for watching and listening. And the topic this week is The Beatles Part 8, Infinite Influence. So as it says, the eighth part of my ongoing Beatles series. I refuse to give it a limit at this point because I keep changing that. It was supposed to be six parts. What the hell happened? And uh, why the title? Let's start with that. So I had talked about this before at the end of, I think, part six. And that is that I was just going to tack on, or I forget how I was going to do it, what bands were influenced by the Beatles. And then when I realized how daunting that was, I got kind of overwhelmed. And then like the summer passed and the whole season ended. And I'm like, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I swear. And, uh, it, you know, the research I did for this was a pain in the ass, but, uh, but that's because it, there's more than you could possibly learn about this topic. And the topic is, of course, like I said, bands or artists, solo artists, whatever, who have been influenced by the Beatles. And by that, I mean the Beatles as a band, but also the Beatles as solo artists, because that's still them. And I think that still counts. I, I, I read a lot of forums and websites where they had all these strictures, like it could only be a band that was influenced by the Beatles, which makes no sense to me, because then you have people like David Bowie or Badly Drawn Boy or whoever else clearly influenced by the Beatles. Why wouldn't they be in there? Or, you know, you couldn't say, oh, they were influenced by what McCartney did, which is just, it's inane to me. So I'm correcting this by doing this. And before I get into the topic, let me tell you uh, very quickly, as I have been doing, that I do a bonus episode for every main episode of this podcast starting here in season six and the bonus episode for this one is uh, me doing two cover songs on acoustic guitar it will be a Beatles song and an original that has been clearly Beatles influenced so if you want to see that one go to patreon.com slash music is not a genre I'll also put the direct link to that bonus episode here in the audio or video or however you consume this and you can go straight to it join for as little as five dollars a month uh, the first month, I think, or week is free. I forget now. I'm, I'm getting confused by things. So that is uh, how I'd like to start this, which is me getting back on track mind-wise. This is the structure of this podcast. Uh, I'm going to explain what the f- five elements are, the five criteria for judging whether someone has been influenced by the Beatles or not, although there's a caveat there. I'm going to go decade by decade. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to forget a lot of artists. I'm just not going to have them on the list because to do research this extensive would take weeks and months, frankly, and would take a lot of analysis and a lot of back and forth. And that's partly because of this caveat, which I'm just going to tell you right now. I call this episode Infinite Influence 
for a, f- a few reasons. First of all, how fortunate it's episode eight and it's Beatles part eight. And if you take an eight and put it sideways, it's the infinity symbol. So infinite influence and it's infinite influence because my contention is that anyone who came after the Beatles uh, in the, at least in the Western world could not have helped to have been influenced by them in one way or another, especially if, if you use my five elements, my five criteria, which I'm going to go over in a second. Uh, I'm also going to include at the end of each decade, uh, some key covers from each decade. And again, I'm going to forget a ton of those since there've been thousands and thousands. And then I will give you my conclusions at the end of all of the decades and the featured song. I'll re re mention the bonus episode, et cetera, and some questions. And that's the structure. Uh, one thing to say about this is I think this is true in general, but I think it's even true specifically with the bands that I'm mentioning here. Very few of them outwardly sound exactly like the Beatles, nor should they. And I mean, no band really does. There have been bands who have purposely imitated the Beatles and have done a really damn good job of it. But if you know the Beatles well enough, you will you will know the difference between the, the true Beatles and bands who sound very, very much like the Beatles, eerily like the Beatles. Uh, I find that to be a rare, uh, a rare plus. But despite the thrill I, I get out of bands and songs like that, like certain like uh, sowing the seeds of love, tears for fears. That's such a clearly Beatles influenced song, and I loved it when it came out. Honestly, even George Harrison's uh, Cloud Nine album, some of that stuff on there. I mean, you know, of course, but not of course because a lot of George Harrison stuff doesn't really sound like the Beatles. That sounded so Beatlesque, and I do get a thrill. But to me, the greater thrill is a band that has a clear Beatles influence, but it's mixed in with other things. So a perfect example, when Oasis came out and, and, and everyone was like, well, they're just ripping off the Beatles. Yes and no. And, and yeah, but, in, but in, a, in, in the inimitable way that good musicians do and adding in some very Brit pop and 90 sounds in there that made that Oasis and not just an echo of the Beatles. And those are the kind of things that kind of thrill me more. And I would love to have had the time or to eventually have the time to sift through those artists and determine what all of those influences are. And there might be interviews with some of them to be able to say that. That's not what this uh, podcast is about. It really is just kind of going over bands and artists influenced by decade and and making, you know, the general point uh, that most, if not all, Western artists have been influenced in one way or another based on these five elements. Power pop. I mention this a lot because it's near and dear to my heart. But, and I've said this before, I think that you could make the case, and I, I'm not going to stand on this because there, there, there are probably people before the Beatles, but you could make the case that the Beatles were the first true power pop band. Why? They had very hard-driving, powerful uh, you know, rock and roll music in the early days. I mean, throughout, but I'm particularly in the early days, that, was, that were clearly pop songs. And other people did that. You could say uh, that a lot of early rock and roll was power pop. If you talk about Chuck Berry, if you talk about, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis even. And, uh, oh, God, why am, I, why am I forgetting? Little Richard, you know, they, they are all, you could say that too. But having said that, a big component of the Beatles and how they hit America 
uh, you know, in particular, was power pop. Number two, element two, jangly pop. So that's stuff that's more acoustic. It's stuff that's more laid back. It's stuff that you might hear. You do hear it a little bit on Help. You hear it a tiny bit even on Hard Day's Night, but you hear it a lot. And a little bit on Beatles for Sale, but you hear it a lot on Rubber Soul and Revolver. And you hear quite a bit on the White Album, and you hear it on Abbey Road and Let It Be and, and all of that. And and that particular kind of jangly pop is is something in, in the way they do it that has been passed down generation to generation. Uh, element three, psychedelic studio heads. Artists who like spending a lot of time in the studio crafting their sound. Whether or not it even sounds psychedelic by the end of it, which a lot of it does anyway, because layers and and nuances can create those kind of waves of sound. The the idea that you want to spend that much time in a studio creating this this sound from your palette that may or may not be you know replicable live was something that really the Beatles pioneered in their work in the studio. They they innovated a lot of things along with their engineers and the producer. Coach Martin and all that. Number four, uh, being e- eclectic and evolutionary and bringing quality songwriting to pop music. So in other words, development. In other words, always paying attention to the quality of the work you're doing before you even record it. And then certainly while you're recording and afterwards. But that idea that it's not just about finding filler for an album to prop up the two or three singles that you have there. It's not about repeating what you've already done. It's finding new ideas. It's listening to stuff that's going on right now, whatever your time is or was, and it's finding a way to incorporate that, the things you like into what you do. This is something that they did throughout their career and throughout their, I think, solo careers to a degree. And then number five, the Fab Four phenomenon, meaning... You didn't just have uh, great music. You had great music by four very distinct personalities who were as known as you know for for them as individuals as people as they were for being musicians and music creators. And that idea of the you know boy band and things like that really stemmed in a lot of ways out of what they did short you had vocal groups before then and i bet you if you talk about i don't know the kingston trio i don't really know the trajectory of all that and some of them someone might have been like oh i like i like john i like henry i don't know their names but you know i don't think so i think for the most part that idea of who's your favorite and their personalities are as big as their music really started with the beatles as a group you know, I'm not discounting people like Elvis and Sinatra and again, and Chuck Berry and Little Richard Pugh's personalities were pretty bold or even Louis Prima, you know, I'm saying as a group. And so let me go over those five elements, just list them quickly. Power pop, jangly pop, psychedelic studio heads, uh, eclectic evolutionary bringing quality songwriting and pop music and fab four phenomenon. If you use those five, it's hard to it's hard to find an artist who wasn't influenced by the Beatles. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, 
Even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Uh, now I'm going to say this and I, you know, make these comments every now and then I try not to be, uh, you know, get too emotional about it, but you know, I, I, I make no, you know, uh, promises here. Beatles, the sound often in the ear of the beholder. And you know that because first of all, casual Beatles fans who aren't rabid Beatles fans will say I prefer their early period, their middle period, their later period. I prefer this album or this type of music that they did more than this other type of music that they did. And so right off the bat there, how they define what the Beatles are to them is different from anybody else. It's it's unique. I've I've played now as far as who's been influenced by the Beatles. There are things I can hear in music because I know other music so well that other people might not be able to hear as far as influence. Uh, I, and I'm not, you know, right. There's a, there was a band in the early two thousands called soundtrack of our lives. And I was something that they did that sounded like the who to me. And I played it for uh, my family, I think. And I don't know if they heard it or they might've been like, okay, yeah, but it was exciting to me. Right. And so I will hear things in songs that are like, oh, that's a Beatles lick. That's a Beatles chord change. That's a Beatles harmony or, you know, melody or whatever it is. And I'll play this for other people. And they won't hear it. And that's what I'm saying, like Beatles often in the ear of of the beholder, right? And they were missing some of the facets and the layers and and stuff like that. And and, and so what I think is, and, and this is where I want to try not to get emotional, there have been people who have dismissed... Let's say, let's forget people who don't like the Beatles. Even people who like the Beatles, there are people who have dismissed the Beatles' work, not the Beatles' work, work that has come after the 1960s, let's say, or 1970s as subpar because of who the Beatles were and the phenomenon of the music of the 60s and 70s and whatever else you might say. And that's generational and it's idiotic. We all have done it in one way or another. I try really hard not to do it. I've talked about it. I've done entire episodes on it. But to claim, but or even be upset when somebody says, oh, this band was clearly influenced by the Beatles, and then your argument is, well, they're not as good as the Beatles, so I don't think, you know, whatever. Who, well, who cares? 
first of all, how many bands ever have been? And, and some people would disagree with that anyway. And second of all, give the band the credit for being as good as they are. And then acknowledge that, yeah, you can hear some influence. And the way I hear influence, stuff that other people might not hear, it, like I said, there's layers and there's facets. Uh, there, there are artists who might not even consciously know they've been influenced by the Beatles, but because their influence has been passed down through other artists, and those other artists wouldn't have been who they were without the Beatles' influence, then that's like the second or third hand smoke of the Beatles. You know, that's this is the influence. And that's another reason why I think their influence is infinite, at least again, uh, for people who have absorbed Western music. So let's get to the decades, 1960s, uh, obviously British invasion, right? Which the, the Beatles kind of spearheaded. And after that, you had bands like the Stones, the Who, the Kinks, Dave Clark Five, Jerry and the Pacemakers, Herman's Hermits. It's not that all of them sounded like the Beatles, although some did. And some, I believe the, I think did, uh, I believe the Beatles gave Jerry and the Pacemakers a song perhaps, but, but the fact of the type of music they were doing that, that kind of skiffle or, or rock or blues tinted, whatever you want to say with a bunch of guys, the way it was put together shows that the Beatles had an influence and really the, they made it possible for all these other bands to enter the American market. They would have been, you know, quite possibly successful in Britain but uh, quite possibly hardly anywhere else, and certainly not in America, if not for the breakthrough that the Beatles did. Bands with mostly guys who mostly played their own instruments and mostly wrote their own songs. I mean, this is something that the, the Beatles really in many ways pioneered. Uh, and it, was, it, was, it happened before them from time to time, but it was rare. It was, it, was, it was quite rare. And to me, all of these fall under that, those category of power pop, jangly pop in one way or another. And some, even Fab Four, I mean, you talk about the Stones and who liked you know, Keith Richards or who liked Mick Jagger, whatever, Brian Jones. Uh, and there was a well-known back and forth between the Beatles and other bands of that era, like the Beach Boys, like the, like the Stones. And the Beach Boys predate the Beatles, so we can't say that their career started because of them, but you can say the trajectory changed because of the Beatles. They went back and forth a lot and they did, you know, they heard Rubber Soul or Revolver and then they did Pet Sounds and then the Beatles heard that and they did Sgt. Pepper and, and, and on and on. So you could say they definitely had that uh, studio head, number three, and they had that uh, evolutionary thing going on, number four, always wanting to put out good quality work, whether you like them or not. Uh, but after their Ed Sullivan appearance and especially in the middle of the decade, uh, here's some people who were influenced by them uh, that who didn't come up contemporaneous with them very shortly after, but not at the exact same time. Based on those five elements of the monkeys, you know, hit four out of the five elements. They did power pop. They did jangly pop. They were studio heads at parts of their career. They did weird stuff. If you ever check out their movie, pretty weird. And the music is weird. Uh, they were certainly a fab four phenomenon. You know, it was the kind of how, why they were created to begin with. They strove for number four for putting out quality work and often did that and didn't necessarily keep it up. But I give them credit for trying. The Bee Gees hit all five marks of those five elements. I've done an episode on them. I don't need to say any more. You have other bands like The Birds, Credence, Clearwater Revival, uh, Tom Petty, Nancy Wilson, Billy Joel, Gene Simmons, 
they're not 60s. Some of those are 60s artists, some aren't, but I mention them because all of them have claimed that when they saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan, that's what kick-started their career and made them think, oh, I could do this, which is a beautiful thing. Um, same thing with uh, Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath. They heard the Beatles are like, oh, man. And you hear harmonies and melodies throughout Ozzy's and Black Sabbath's work that are very Beatlesque. You just do. It's something you might not, uh, you know, readily think there was a connection. Uh, Pink Floyd... I mean, come on, especially the Sid Barrett era, but even beyond that, there's certain elements of the way the chords change and that and that atmospherism and the studio experimentation and the layers and 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 melodies and all of that. They they hit a, a lot of what the Beatles did. And I think because of the Beatles, I think also a lot of the San, San Francisco bands were influenced by the Beatles, who were in turn then influenced by them which is kind of cool. Moody Blues, you could say, were very influenced by the Beatles and the Zombies. And they'll come up again later when I talk about the 90s and Elephant Six. And then everyone else in the 60s, basically after the Beatles. Uh, even even Motown artists and like that who were doing covers. Here's some famous covers from that era in the 60s. The Stones did I Want to Be Your Man because the Beatles gave them that song to try to help them break into the American market and get a hit. Uh, there were easy listening or, and orchestral versions of the Beatles music from the very beginning. Smokey Robinson did Yesterday. Uh, Smokey and the Miracles did yesterday, a version of Yesterday. Who didn't? Uh, also did And I Love Her in 1970, which is great because they covered his song, You Really Got a Hold on Me, and I love their version of that song, and I love Smokey as well, so it was sort of like a return to favor. Uh, the Mamas and the Papas, I Call Your Name, I find one of the rare instances where it covers better than the Beatles original, I Call Your Name. Yes, version of Every Little Thing transforms that song. And we know Joe Cocker's With a Little Help and Bathroom Window. I mean, uh, talk about transforming a song and really making it into things. And they loved those versions, by the way. Uh, Ray Charles doing Yesterday and Eleanor Rigby. Fats Domino doing Me and My Monkey. And those are just a sampling of some of the interesting covers that happened in the 60s. They happened right away, which is a very common thing to this day. Covers of uh, popular songs happening within a year or two of them being out. Which brings me to the 1970s and, of course, the uh, first three and possibly four most influenced artists by the Beatles are the Beatles themselves, McCartney, Lennon, Ringo, and to an extent George Harrison in all of their solo work as much as they were branching out and doing different things they were carrying over some of those Beatles ideas with them. You have artists like Badfinger, who was an Apple Records, you know, thing, and McCartney produced them and all that and, and wrote that song, you know, here if you want it, here it is, come and get it for them and said, do it exactly how I recorded it and you'll be, get a hit. And they did. Uh, but even the other stuff they did were were very it was very Beatlesque. Big Star were, were got one of the bands who were, you know, mantled with the next Beatles uh, a label which can kill uh, a career, uh, but big stars on a lot of lists of, of Beatle type bands. Klaatu is a band I discovered uh, last year or the year before, and I, I I mentioned them in a podcast and how they were thought to be secretly the Beatles back together. And I listened to it and I'm like, people are crazy. They just was wishful thinking, and yet the music is really good, and you can hear the Beatles influence hugely. 
Todd Rundgren, uh, Chicago. Now look at this list, this, uh, this back here. For those of you just listening, I have like 25 CDs behind me or more, maybe. I don't know. And I, that's just a sampling of the bands and artists I thought were, have been influenced by the Beatles. And I'm not going to go through the CDs. I just want to put them there again out of a messy way to explain how overwhelming this topic is. And I have been saying from the time I got into 60s and 70s Chicago that they have so clear the Beatles influence that it, I, I, I'm surprised more people don't talk about it. If the people who know the early Chicago and I'm talking about not the somewhat the Fab Four phenomena, but those first four criteria of the five elements, they had all of that and they wrote it quite a bit and they added their own stuff all of these bands did uh bay city rollers to me they had the one that kind of power pop they had five they had that fab four they're one of those boy band type things not from bay city by the way from uh wales or scotland i believe black sabbath i mentioned billy joel and elton john and david bowie all direct descendants of the beatles just don't even joke ramones got their name from the false name that mccartney would use uh checking into a hotel so he wouldn't be bombarded by fans he would his name would be something ramon i forget and that's where they got their name and they they were clearly beatles influenced Kiss and Gene Simmons have has said that that the Beatles were a huge influence and you can hear it in some of the work that they do. Certainly power pop, certainly that Bab Four thing where, oh, there's they're all different personalities in one way or another. King Crimson has said they were influenced by the Beatles. Cheap Trick were often compared to the Beatles, especially in their, you know, career uh, earlier on. ELO, I don't even want to talk about ELO. Uh, Jeff Lynn is not one of my favorite producers, but what ELO did was clearly great stuff. And and the things that he wrote and they wrote together and the way it was produced. And you know Jeff Lynn's a huge Beatles fan. He's worked with them. I mean, I don't think he worked with um, with uh, Lennon, but he worked with the three others at, at some point in the, seven, I don't know, I don't think 70s, but 80s and 90s, certainly and beyond. And then Queen uh, and Pink Floyd, uh, let's get even later into the 70s, and you're talking about a band like Squeeze, uh, who I think if the Beatles had continued the, in some ways, or if they had started in the late 70s instead of in, or mid-70s, whenever Squeeze started, they would have been Squeeze. Like, this is this is how Beatlesque Squeeze is to me, and yet Squeeze is also Squeeze, and it's post-punk, and it's all this other stuff, which is so freaking awesome. Uh, Elvis Costello, to a degree, was certainly influenced by the Beatles. XTC. You you couldn't. It's hard to get a band, you know, that sounds as much like a direct descendant of the Beatles as as XTC. If you don't know them, look them up. And then the Knack, uh, another one that was saddled with the next Beatles name, and it it sort of did kill their career. Even though I love, uh, was it My Sharona? It's kind of a shame that it did that. And then, of course, everyone else, I say that. Uh, Power Pop it was influenced by the Beatles. I think even punk was. Psychedelic in Prague, certainly. Jangle Rock. Anybody who's a studio head. All of those. Beatles influence. Go through a few covers before we take a break. Uh, Stevie Wonders, We Can Work It Out. Amazing. Elton John's Lucy. Susie and the Banshees did Helter Skelter and Dear Prudence. Pretty freaking awesome. 
everybody who did a cover in the Sgt. Pepper movie, as bad as that movie was, it's kind of a cult classic to me. There's some great covers in there. Journey, before Steve uh, Perry, I guess, came on, did It's All Too Much. And I've talked about that one before. I won't talk about it much again, but I sort of like that version. John Denver did a bunch of Beatles covers. Basically everyone. Earth and Wind and Fire's Got to Get You Into My Life is one of my all-time favorite Beatles covers, and it should be yours. Elvis did Beatles covers. Uh, Sinatra did something in 1979. And again, just a sampling. And that's the 70s. Before we get to the 80s, uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to grab some water because I've got a lot more talking to do. I've got several more decades to go through. We'll be right back. Hey, so I was going to do the usual and just list all of the links that I'd love for you to check out, but I realized that everything you need to know and everywhere you need to go is at nickdomadio.com. That really is the hub. I list all the links in every episode just in case, but nickdomadio.com is where I put everything that I do. If you want to know more about this podcast, whether it's the audio version or the YouTube version at youtube.com slash app music is not a genre or wherever else the podcast shows up, or if you want to support the podcast at patreon.com slash music is not a genre just go to nickdomadio.com it's all there if you want to check out my full discography of original music and covers for my band rec rec and beyond it's at nickdomadio.com including all the streaming and social links for wherever you listen to music and wherever you check out your soch uh, my acting clips are there my voiceover clips are there graphic design my blog and most especially it's the best place to contact me if you go to nickdomadio.com slash contact or just hit the contact is on every single page you can send me a note say hello ask me any questions you'd like you get a newsletter a few times a month and if you have a project of your own and need work done for it whether it's audio editing or music or voiceover or graphic design or if you have an event and you need live music go to nicktomadio.com contact me say hello let me know what you need i'd love to hear from you Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Okay, we're back. Going to jump right into it because there's still a lot to go. Uh, the 1980s. And here's an interesting thing about the, the decades, the Beatles influence. The Beatles as a phenomenon in terms of people paying attention to them, etc. That has kind of waxed and waned over the years up until recently, say 15 years ago or so, maybe more, when it's hit a, hit a peak and kind of just ridden that peak and never stopped for so many reasons. Uh, but before that, and I remember this, you had times where people weren't that into the Beatles in general. There was all, there was always this joke uh, in the late seventies and eighties where, um, you know, Oh, some, some older person saying to a younger person, something, something, Paul McCartney, you know, uh, in the, in the Beatles. And they'd say, Oh, Paul McCartney was in a band before wings. And then later on the joke was who, who's wings. And then who's Paul McCartney, you know, but then eventually that all changed. And I think it happened after the anthologies in the nineties and certainly after the, you know, one album and love and all of that stuff. And then with the guitar hero or whatever else happened, it just went on and on and on. But prior to that, there were plenty of times where the Beatles were in and out of fashion, especially musically speaking, not just fan wise. That said in the eighties, it's kind of insane uh, how you hear you hear it both overtly and covertly, like the Bangles and Tears for Fears 
clearly direct descendants of the Beatles. You get all of the, you know, I think they hit all five criteria in my mind in many ways, but you get other bands and here's one kind of key. Duran Duran keeps coming back to this freaking podcast, keeps coming back to my consciousness over and over to the point where whatever else I was going to do for the episode coming up after the Thanksgiving break, Thanksgiving week, I said ditching that because if I don't do a Duran Duran episode, it's going to drive me crazy. So that's coming up uh, episode nine by the way, but they hit all five criteria in a big way. They did the power pop. It was electro power pop, but it was power pop. It was rock and pop. Very clearly both very mixed. Well, they did some jangle pop throughout their career. They were definitely studio heads with the way they use their keyboard sounds and how they, you know, the, 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 you know, that kind of like syncopated guitar and all that stuff. Um, they absolutely worked towards creating more and better music throughout their careers to varying degrees of success, but that's number four. And number five, yeah, the, the fa- they were called the Fab Five. They were called the Fab Five. And to me, I think that they helped usher in that second British invasion of the new wave bands, the new romantics and all that, all that stuff. You talk about Depeche Mode and New Order from my other episode and or you talk about Human League or Culture Club or all of those British bands that just saturated the market in the 80s like they... You know you had British bands in the 70s. You had Elton John. You had Led Zeppelin and and so many others. Uh, And then you've got some of the heavy metal bands that were pioneers that came from Britain in both the 70s and the 80s and and all of that. But as far as a phenomenon in the culture, you had the 60s and then you had the 80s as far as that second British invasion. But that was there was so much clearly influenced by the Beatles there. Uh, U2, especially the John Lennon influence, certainly uh, had all five criteria to one degree or another. And even though you can't necessarily hear it in some ways, in other ways, very clear, especially later in the career when they would explore more of that kind of trippy music. Uh, I, I, you know, staring at the sun pops into my head, but there are certainly better examples. Prince, don't even get me started. There are plenty of times where I have compared Prince's early trajectory to the Beatles first 10 years or the Beatles 10 years period, whatever the Prince's first 10 years to them in not, not one-to-one, but very close in the way there was a, a big hit and there was a movie and you know, all this stuff. And you know, then comes the kind of psychedelic and, and more experimental period. And then there comes back to basics like all this. And I used to say that, you know, album wise would happen, but especially if you listen to around the world in a day, which is one of my top two or three favorite Prince albums. And it's back here. I keep pointing back to my diorama. For those of you who are listening, can you hear the wind that my thumb makes when I point back? No, you probably can't. Um, and, and you can't, say anything more than Prince had, uh, you know, many other influences, but the Beatles were one of them. I've seen lists say R.E.M. has had a Beatles influence, and I think Jangle Pop-wise, certainly, for sure, somewhat in the power pop, and certainly in trying to always improve and write more songs and do better. Uh, Smithereens were huge Beatles fans, Pat Denizio especially, and modeled themselves after the Beatles in so many ways. They did Beatles tribute albums, uh, but prior to that, so much of what they do, you can hear the harmonies, you can hear the the rhythms and all of that. If you like the Beatles and you want 80s, 90s post-punk music, 
go to the smithereens. It's a good mix. People have said the cures sound like the Beatles. I think in some ways, certainly these these that psychedelic mix in the studio, huge, huge. Uh crowded house. Sound like the Beatles in a lot of ways. The lead singer, whose name I forget, sounds a little bit like McCartney, etc. They're they're sort of like a latter day squeeze, I guess, and maybe not quite as dynamic a squeeze, but that sort of feel. Uh, George Harrison's 80s work was more Beatles than a lot of the stuff he had done before then. Flaming Lips, I mean, they have the jangle pop, they have the studio heads, they have the always trying to do interesting quality work, and I'm sure they would say they were hugely influenced by the Beatles. Uh, People have said the Pixies, um, for every one of the criteria, I mean, maybe not number five, but still. Uh, New Kids in the Block, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's funk, and it's electronic, but it's power. So it's power pop, but especially that Fab Four phenomenon. I mean, you have bands like even New Edition. You had even the Jackson Five. You had new, I mean, not that they were stemmed directly from the Beatles, but that idea of knowing every band member's name and having favorites, New Kids on the Block, was continued by Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and so many others after that. Boys to Men, you know, forget it. To me, that is a descendant in in a way of the Beatles. That's why I put it as number five on the criteria. And then of course, everyone else, I'm going to say this for every decade. So many artists were experimenting in the studio in the eighties because digital technology was improving so much. And you had synths and keyboards and MIDI and all of these things that, that enabled artists with less money to some degree to, or artists who didn't want to be prog to do things that did have elements of progressiveness, but more just psychedelic and experimentation within the realm of pop music and rock music. You know, many of them. Uh, Covers for that era, I just listened uh, recently, the Beastie Boys' I'm Down, which they modify in in the same way that sort of... um, the Run DMC modified Walk This Way from Aerosmith. That's sort of how the Beasties model uh, modify them down. It, it's not their best work, but it's fun. And I mean, it shows that they enjoyed the Beatles too. Uh, U2 and Motley Crue both covered Helter Skelter. Uh, Sarah Vaughn in the 80s and 81 did a whole album on the Beatles. Bobby McFerrin did Beatles covers, uh, including Drive My Car, which was also covered by this uh, post-disco star Christina, which is a really cool version. Look up Christina, Drive My Car. Bad Brains, the Day Tripper. And part of this is to show that the covers and the influence weren't just in the realm of rock or pop. It would go to jazz. You, you, there was country and folk and, and electronic and all of that. People did those covers, which also means that those artists in, or, if, or other artists in those genres were, were influenced by the Beatles in significant ways. 1990s. Uh, a real resurgence of the Beatles sort of like meteor qualities of their music in many ways after sort of the, the more kitschy quotation of Beatles sounding stuff that happened in the 80s, especially in the late 80s uh, for with bands like Bangles and Tears for Fears and so many others. Bands like the Happy Monday, Stone Roses, World Party, Oasis, Big time, of course. Blur, Pulp, The Verve, hugely. Supergrass, super furry animals, and even Radiohead to a degree. 
to me, were the third British invasion. For some reason, I looked this up and people say that third British invasion was in the 2000s. I think it was the fourth. Sorry, because the, the, the influx of British bands that happened over here that made hits in the 90s was not related to the influx that happened in the 80s. So that to me is just a separate invasion. It's a third invasion. And so many of those bands, especially in that Madchester scene, that's Beatles influence. Sloan from Canada could be limped in there. When I saw Lenny Kravitz on David Letterman doing Let Love Rule, I was like, here is a huge Beatles fan. And other things too. And I love Lenny Kravitz's mix of influences and the music that he creates. I always thought he was, if Beatles and Prince had a child, it would be Lenny Kravitz. So yes, Lenny, he's he's in this diorama. I think uh, like Alanis Morissette had a little bit of a pinch of that. Matthew Sweet had some of that. Ween had a lot of that, especially studio experimentation, all that weirdness. And if you don't know Ween, look them up. They come from where I near where I come from, near Philly. Uh, Chemical Brothers and so many producer DJ people like them who believe that, you know, doing glitchy stuff, doing pastiche music and experimentation sort of the way you did. It was uh, Mr. Kite or Tomorrow Never Knows or Revolution Number 9. You know, they pioneered a lot of that and made it popular. And those DJs are, to me, descendants of that mindset, of that studio mindset of creating those layers. Uh, Nirvana, I mean, forget it. They And they would even say that. They once said, I think, almost you know, uh, belligerently, like the monkeys better. And some people say that. That's fine. You know, Joe, be, be that way if you want to. But the monkeys wouldn't exist without the Beatles. And I love the monkeys. But Nirvana, clearly influenced by the Beatles in so many ways. They were grunge, but they were power pop. And they had those interesting chord changes that were just so, mm, I love, just so fascinating and 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 more intricate than you might remember. Green Day and Weezer and Red Hot Chili Peppers all have some degree of influence of the Beatles. Stone Temple Pilots as well, especially as they passed through their grunge period and did some other things. There was a period when Wyland's voice actually sounded a hell of a lot like Lennon. And look it up, you know, over there. Days of the Week is, a, it is an example of that song stone temple pilots Soundgarden's black hole sun was to me almost a tribute to the beatles and even though it stands alone as a beautiful wonderful song as sad as it is and there are other things that they did in the studio that were very trippy and that were very beatlesque and that brings me to the elephant six collective which i did an episode on a couple seasons ago especially bands like olivia tremor control and apples and stereo who have professed to being beatles beach boys zombies Beatles, Beach Boys, Zombies, and that kind of era all mixed together with this sort of lo-fi 90s approach to music making. If you like Beatles-influenced stuff that's also weird and lo-fi, look up any Elephant Six band, pretty much. Uh, Beck, certainly a lot of Beatles influence and a lot of what he did, especially later on. Founds of Wayne, again like Squeeze, a direct descendant of... Uh, and like Duran Duran, direct descendant of the Beatles with the power pop and, and all of that. I mean, to, to create perfect pop songs in a rock setting, Fountains of Wayne are just at the top for me. Uh, and I talked about Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. 
And then, yeah, everyone else, again, is the decade of renewed interest in British music, resurgence of the Beatles' fame, partly because of people like Oasis, but partly because of the anthology, uh, partly because the time had passed, and now, you know, they're back in fashion again. Some great covers from that decade, Pearl Jam's I Got a Feeling. Fish did the whole White Album Live, didn't know that, just found out. A lot of country artists and Latin, Latinx artists did Beatles covers, more orchestral covers. George Martin produced the album In My Life in the the 90s where you had people like Sean Connery and Goldie Hawn and Jim Carrey and Phil Collins doing covers of the Beatles stuff and again just a sampling I have one here from John Pizzarelli the jazz guitarist son of Bucky Pizzarelli from 1998 who did a great Beatles tribute thing uh, not which brings me to the 2000s again I've done an episode on them, Wombats, Power Pop, Electro Power Pop, but in so many ways, direct descendant of the Beatles, always working to create create great songs, always having that mix of powerfulness and subtlety and, and studio, interesting studio things and all of that direct descendant france ferdinand the kaiser chiefs this to me is the fourth british invasion and stuff happening uh you know in the 2000s eat coldplay to a large degree certainly and then you had bands like animal collective who were a little bit more on the fringe and weirder who uh clearly were influenced by the beatles as well wilco is on a lot of lists and i believe it uh wreck my band and prior to that where i called myself nick uh beatles influence you'll hear that if you check the bonus episode out at patreon.com slash music is not a genre when i do uh the cover of the beatles i will and then the my original the same way you can i mean the same way sounds like it was uh, meant to be a beatles song uh, I think Fallout Boy and Blink-182 and My Chemical Romance, the first two in particular because of the power pop idea and people liking them as individuals in many ways and and that sense of a pop song being being put into the rock world. Uh, but then My Chemical Romance and on the Black Parade and things like that, I mean, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Gerard Way would be like, yeah, I was hugely influenced by the Beatles. Uh, Carney, somebody who's been on lists, uh, covered I Want You, which is a great song to cover. Not a lot of people do it. Uh, my bandmate, Rich, uh, played for me a cover a few years ago of I Want You, She's So Heavy. That was that that started out at around the same speed as the Beatles, but then got slower and slower and slower. It's like dirge metal, and it was freaking a trip. Elliot Smith, in so many ways, a badly drawn boy. If you don't know badly drawn boy, look him up. He did the soundtrack to About a Boy, among other things. Foo Fighters in a lot of ways, in some ways in their songwriting. Panic at the Disco sometimes sounds like them. Uh, McFly, this British kind of boy band who played their own instruments. Uh, you know, Five Colors in Her Hair was their big hit. They had all the elements except for probably the psychedelic part of it, but they they were certainly Beatles-influenced. Danger Mouse, in his production in particular, very Beatles-esque in the way he he approaches production, but he also did that gray album mashup of Jay-Z and the White Album, Jay-Z's Black Album and the Beatles' the White Album. Yes, talked about Apples and Stereo, got even more Beatles-esque in the 90s, I mean in the 2000s, of Montreal from Elephant Six, same thing. Uh, a lot of indie rock and pop like Doves and The Shins and Amy Mann, very Beatles-influenced. I would put the Jonas Brothers on there from the 2000s and beyond, because why? Boy band, right? Who 
I mean, at least partly wrote their own songs. It's not a perfect match, but that's a Beatles influence. You know it is. Some covers from that era, huge amount of covers. I just sampled a few. The I Am Sam soundtrack. Never saw the movie, but I have the soundtrack that's rare for me. And it's because there's so many, it's all Beatles covers, and there's so many great ones on there. The Grey Album from Danger Mouse. Across the Universe, the movie from 07. The first two were from 02. Or maybe Grey Album was 03. I don't remember. Uh, might have been 04. Uh, Across the Universe, great versions most for the most part of those Beatles songs we do the with a little help version from that movie Ozzy did in my life Judy Collins and Tom Jones and the Smithereens all did full albums of Beatles covers in 2007 and again like I said just in a sample there's this band uh Soul Live did a Beatles a whole Beatles album they're kind of like a funk uh, funk jazz band. Oh, great, great freaking album. There's just uh, an endless amount of great Beatles covers out there, which brings me to the last kind of decade-ish, decade and a half, 2010s to today. You have bands like Tame Impala. It was a guy, but his band who feels like I'm only going backwards in so many of those songs. That's that's just Beatles right there. You That's like mid-period Beatles in a huge, huge way. Management, similar. Uh, DJO uh, was listed as being like Tame Impala and management and had that same kind of thing. I'd put Big Time Rush in there the way that I would put Jonas Brothers in there in that they are a boy band, but they do rock and they do pop. And there was always somebody who watched, I think it was Nickelodeon, who was like, oh, I like this person better than that person. It's that Fab Five, Fab Four, whatever. Uh, Mild, High, Mild High Club was listed on a lot more psychedelic pop. Uh, BTS... Yeah, and you know they're Beatles fans, but but that kind of phenomenon, that's a Beatles phenomenon, and they may have at a higher height as far as that phenomenon, uh, the way the Beatles were, than, than possibly any other band worldwide has done since then. Uh, Billie Eilish in ways, particularly the song like Getting Older, uh, this band, I don't know how, but they found me, is just shows you how indie pop and indie rock is so Beatles influenced, so Beatles influenced uh, newer strokes and Eddie Vedder and Artie, Arctic Monkeys albums from this past decade. Very, very Beatles influence. I mean, Eddie Vedder had freaking Ringo on his album. Uh, Scissors Kill Bill from 2022. Doja Cat both have had songs that sound very Beatles esque. I'm leaving a lot of this more open to suggestions from all of you because, again, the list is endless. The inf- the influence is infinite, so I know I've forgotten a bunch of things. Uh, again, some great covers. Um, I, I accidentally mentioned this for the 2000s, but Rubber Soul Live. So Soul Live did an album called Rubber Soul Live where they covered Rubber Soul as a jazz funk band. Instrumentals, freaking great. Roberta Flack, who is still alive and making music, did a 2012 album all Beatles covers, some really good stuff in there, some su- and surprisingly contemporary, really, really good stuff. Uh, the Big Time Rush movie soundtrack had a lot of Beatles covers, a lot of covers on Glee, the TV show, that movie yesterday where the Beatles didn't exist, whatever, from 2019, some great Beatles covers in there, that whole scene where he plays along in Winding Road, and, you know, and people were like, oh my God, blown away, gives you chills. Uh, that takes us up to now. And, and let me get to some conclusions. 
and I'll say it again, if you include all five criteria, not even all five, you can see how every artist who's been anywhere near Western music has been influenced in some way by the Beatles. And I include uh, J-pop and K-pop and all the rock and interesting alt bands that have come out of those countries in South America. Don't even get me started. All and anything in Europe Beatles influences everywhere, and I would I would argue it's in countries we don't even know about. And then this I'm going to say, and I sort of said this at the beginning. There's that saying, you know, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, whatever. I don't know. Uh, or if you're a silver hammer, everything looks like someone's head. <laughs> Beatles uh, reference. So you might assume if you're a Beatles fan, you can find them in everything, and I often do even maybe when they're not necessarily there, but I've encountered enough closed-minded people, uh, you know, stuck in the past to know that far from every Beatles fan can hear their influence spread this far and wide. And my challenge to you would be listen more closely and think of a song that you would say, there's no Beatles influence whatsoever in there and see if you can somehow find it anyway. That to me, that's an interesting challenge. The other challenge is who did I miss? I probably missed a ton you're like, how come you didn't include this band or this artist? Tell me. I want to hear from you. I always do. And I, I, I'm not going to keep a list, but I'd love to add your suggestions to my catch-up episode that I'm going to do, you know, mid, mid-season. And are there bands that I mentioned that you're like, you shouldn't put them on this list. They weren't influenced. I'll argue it, but I'd like to hear your opinion about that anyway. Which brings me to the last part, every episode, Featured Song. Featured Song is from the same album that the song that I'm playing in the bonus episode is from. That bonus episode where I'm doing a cover of I Will and my original The Same Way can be found at patreon.com slash music is not a genre. Direct link is below, if I remember to put it, uh, is a song from that album called from the same way, same album, from the Metro Grand Sessions. It's the name of the album. It's called Regular Day. From the top of that song, you will hear a Beatles influence. This is a period when I was really exploring their sound, simplifying what I was doing, but trying to make it interesting. It's Beatles have been with me from the beginning of my you know music creation, straight up to today in many ways, but you can hear it in particular in that era. And in very particular on the same way and on the song that's coming in a few seconds called Regular Day, uh, you, you hear it in the harmonies, you hear it in the chord progressions, you hear it in the overall sound. There's a bit of a psychedelic tinge to this pop rock song. Uh, you know, I used to say to people that I feel like I'm sort of a straight up mix of both Lennon and McCartney in that I lean more McCartney in the way I approach music and some of my song stylings, but I think I, think I lean more Lennon in, in some of my lyrics in the overall feel and sound of some of what I do. And that just shows you how obsessed and you know how much I think I've been influenced. I don't know. Am I right? You get to find out if you listen to the bonus episode or if you stick around in just a few seconds and listen to the song at the end of this episode right here. Thank you again for watching and listening. My Objective Sierra Music Conversation and Connection. I will talk to you next week.
typical day, a typical day, a typical day in a terrible year, and then you came along, and everything changed. It was one of those moments when it hits you that everything afterwards, oh, so different now. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 